0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Bada bing, bada
0: boom. It's a mini sewed. Where is is it going to be? Okay, so we're just going to get started. We're doing a redo case. I did this case on my YouTube video. This is actually the case that made me start a podcast because I was like, are you kidding me? I can't even talk about the torture in this video without YouTube being like, deleted. Delete her off of this platform. And that is how Rotten Mango came to be. Truly, this is the reason. So we're doing a redo for this one. And it's intense. So we're just going to drop you in the middle. Leonard Lake was sitting on his brown recliner, like a lounge chair in his living room. The chair looks worn out. Not, but he seems to be enjoying himself there's a camera on the tripod in front of him think of like a youtube video setup and mm. he, he presses play this is what's going to be known as the philosophy tape and he says good evening everyone it's sunday october 23rd very close to my 38th birthday i'm starting this video without any script but i feel like i should explain something i'm starting a various phases of construction of a building hopefully it's going to be a series of underground buildings Well, mind you, the whole point of this is for a secret room. I guess if you could call it that. A jail cell, if you will. These are troubled times. There are wars. There's rumors of wars going on. There's going to be an imminent holocaust that's going to wipe out most of humanity. The only survivors that will last are the ones that possess the foresight into building these bunkers, stocking them with food, weapons, money, and a way to stay busy. You know, a place to live out your sexual fantasies. See, here's the thing. Leonard Blake is a realist. He's 38 years old. He claims that he's a bit chubby. He's got not much hair. You know, he's got a bald patch right at the top of his face. He's just got like hair on the sides. Mm. He's not particularly attractive to women. He claims that he doesn't have all the traditional magnets, power, money, position, nothing. Nothing. But the worst part in Leonard Lake's life is that he's still attracted to these women. He has nothing to offer, but he's got standards. All of the women that he has to have sex with have to be young. Sometimes even young as 12. But 18 to 22 is probably the perfect age. Petite. He wants them to be very, very skinny with long, beautiful hair. That's what he likes. But, and I quote, this type of woman, by virtue of her youth, her attractiveness, and her desirability to the majority of mankind, simply has better options. There is no reason why a woman like that would be interested in me. So the simple fact, bottom line, is I'm a sexist slob. I enjoy using women, and of course, women aren't particularly interested in being used.
1: He said that. Yes. So he's self-aware.
0: He's self-aware, but also incredibly terrifying. (laughs) So terrifying. So what he claims is that he wants to build this underground bunker. He wants to have like a doomsday prep. He wants food. He wants weapons stockpiled. He wants to be able to live out here because he is genuinely concerned that there's going to be an apocalypse that's coming to this earth. It's going to wipe out humankind. But, you know, when he's down there, what is he going to do? Read a book? No way. He's going to have sex. But who would want to be stuck in this bunker with him? Not the type of girls that he likes, you know? So what he wants is an off-the-shelf sex partner. Those are his words, not mine. I want to be able to use a woman whenever and however I want. When I'm tired or bored or not interested, I simply want to put her away. I want to lock her up in a room, get her out of my sight, out of my life, because I want to avoid all obligation to entertain or satisfy their whims of emotional whatevers. Leonard Lake, he's thinking on his feet. These are not just sexual pros. There are other advantages. You know, she could be useful for mundane chores that I have to do. Cleaning the house, washing the dishes. A slave, really. Primarily a sexual slave, but a physical one as well. So such an arrangement, he realizes, is not only blatantly sexist, but highly illegal. And there is no doubt about it. Like it just violates all human rights. And he says, and I quote, violates all human rights and blah, 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 blah
1: he say okay yeah, yeah. i get it it's yeah blah, he's blah, like blah, i blah, get blah.
0: it it's so messed up that i'm gonna <laughs> do this like blah 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 <laughs> what <laughs> so that's why he's starting operation miranda he's been thinking about it for over 20 years creating that bunker in Willseyville, california a tiny little uncorporated community in the mountains and he based off of this name operation miranda you're thinking who the fork is miranda is that the person he's going to kidnap there is a book called the collector by john fells if you guys listen to bacon a mystery or bacon a murder i did the Butterfly Collector, which I think is like a fan fiction of the the original book, The Collector. It's a lonely young man who collects butterflies in his free time. And his obsession is a woman by the name of Miranda Gray, a middle class art student. So he starts admiring her. And when I say admiring her, I'm saying he starts stalking her, but he can't talk to her because he has like no social skills. He's so nervous. So he wins this little small lottery, buys a large isolated house in the woods, but he realizes, wow, this is really boring. This house in the woods, I have nobody to share it with. What's the point of winning the lottery if I don't have a companion? So he decides to add Miranda Gray into his collection of pretty butterflies. And he kidnaps Miranda by drugging her with chloroform and throwing her into the cellar of his house. And he is convinced that she's going to end up loving him. Well, one thing leads to another and Miranda dies. And the book ends with him saying that he plans on kidnapping another girl. So Leonard Lake is really moved by this book. I mean, this is his favorite book. So he takes his camera outside and he shows the people. He shows this video, right? He shows the camera where he's going to be building this bunker. There's actually um, this chainsaw that's ripping trees down actively right now. And he breathes into the camera microphone. I can hardly wait. So the type of guy Leonard Lake is, you're probably thinking, I know this type of guy because that's what I kept saying. I know this type of guy. What is this type of guy other than a serial killer and a torturer and a rapist and a kidnapper because he's all of those things, right? But he sounds so much like an incel. Were you guys thinking the same thing, right? Because Leonard Lake went around telling people, if I die, I want to come back as a beautiful blonde because they have all the power. So those of you who don't know what an incel is, you have been blessed, and I'm about to ruin this journey for you. So an incel stands for involuntary celibate. I feel like it's more in the news these days, especially in the true crime world, because we kind of associate mass murderers with incels. I mean, there is a connection. So the Sandy Hook killer, for example, he was you know, technically an incel, and is there an association of these people? So essentially, these are misogynistic heterosexual men that cannot get laid for one reason or another. And they're upset with society. They blame the women they blame society for the reason that they cannot get laid and it's incredibly toxic they have communities on 4chan reddit they even have like their own websites that you join forums of people just talking about incel life they have their own language so they never say women anymore they say femoids yes femoids what, what, what femoids or female robots that are just dying to have sex with chads. Now you're saying, well, what's a chad, Stephanie? Okay, a chad <laughs> is an alpha male. Do you know exactly what I'm talking about? Like, they look muscular. They're like just like my fiance. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. Don't expose me like that.
0: (laughs) They're they're really muscular. They've got that chiseled jawline. They're pumping iron. They're the ones that are like grunting really loudly at the gym. And you're like, bro, you're just repping the bar. Like what's going on? It's not even that much weight. Mm -hmm. Those are chads. And femoids are just pretty much all women.
1: But the truth is like, are chads actually popular? I feel like Chad is like a negative thing to be called chad it's crazy
0: but incels believe chads are just the sexual goals of all (laughs) women everywhere and i can assure you as a femoid myself uh i'm not really into chads at all
1: yeah that's what i thought yeah
0: so they call women that are out of their league um roasties ask me what roasties is because this is insane so it's short for roast beef And it just assumes that this woman has had probably multiple sexual partners. So their vagina resembles roast beef. And they call them roasties, which this is a fascinating point. Because if you are dating one person and you have sex a thousand times with that same person, you're not a roasty. But -hmm. if you have sex one time with 1,000 men, you're a roasty. Which to me doesn't make sense. But who am I, right? Um, These incels, are very upset that some men can get more women. And their whole theory is that the only reason that other men get laid more than them is because they have unalterable biological traits. So these are jawlines, cheekbones, eye socket shapes that put men in different sexual class systems. It's not money, it's not personality, it's just the way that your face shape is.
1: Not even your body?
0: Just your face shape. You got to have like a chiseled jawline. Because you can work out your body. You
1: know, have they heard of uh, Plastic
0: surgery. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they have something called the 80-20 rule, which is 80% of women want to have sex with just 20% of the male population, the top chads, right? So under that, the rest of the 20% of women, they will have sex not by choice, but rather last-ditch options with something called betas, cucks, and normies.
1: You did a lot of research. Uh, It
0: was dark. It was dark times going down this rabbit hole. It was dark. Okay. So these betas, cucks, and normies. So like I said, 20% of men are wanted by 80% of women. So that's like a whole other league. Now there's only 20% of women left. And they will resort to having sex with kind of, you know, just regular schmegular guys. Betas. Not alpha males. Beta males. Mm. And they will marry these people. But these 20% of women, they'll settle down with them, but they'll still continue to seek chads. So what happens is they say, hey, beta husband, can you buy me a boob job? Beta husband financially supports wife's boob job. Wife becomes 80% of women and they leave you for a chad. Ultimately, all women are evil is what they're saying. And you have to end up paying alimony while your girlfriend or your wife is now, you know, f-ing a chad. And guess who's <laughs> at the bottom of this? Even lower than beta's cucks and normies. Are the incels? They get no sex.
1: Oh, they call themselves incels too? Yeah oh they got no
0: sex so they have you know multiple rants i went onto a bunch of forums and i'm gonna read you some of these because they are scary and you need to understand this this is out there it's insane so they have rants about how literal men with adiq with nothing to talk about except who won the game last night are still able to attract a loving partner this pisses me off why are women so annoying why are they so evil why do they just go for chads
1: this is a current post yeah it's kind of basic huh
0: Oh, it gets really intense. Are you ready? So it talks about feminism. And this Uh is a post that says, All women are trashy whores that use feminism as a plot to escape from undesirable men and only get f***ed by the higher tier men. Why is every single woman a total f***ing bitch? Every single femoid over the age of 19 should be fed to an industrial wood chipper. I hate all women. Every time I look at them, my blood pressure shoots through the roof. My guy. I think that's just a boner. Um, Side note. (laughs) That's what it sounds like to me. When they're gabbing on the phone about Paris Hilton, when they're adjusting their lipstick and taking up my time, rifling through their stupid purse, when they whine to me about their period, when they blither on and on about adult or film or directors, musicians, nobody gives a flying... about when they cry and expect your personal sympathy but most of all i hate them because they're smug hyperactive little bitches made that way by our society look what uncontrolled feminism in the media has done okay these get like thousands of likes there are thousands (sighs) at least thousands of men i would even go as far to say possibly in this world filled with billions of people a couple million of men like this at least There's also something in the incel community called take the rape pill where they encourage incels to rape in order for civilization to survive. They say that femoids need to be treated as subhuman objects whose purpose is to obey, bear the children of gentlemen such as ourselves. So do you know what reverse rape is? This is kind of popular in incel culture. Reverse rape is when women refuse to have sex with a man. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason. I don't feel like it. Maybe that's not my sexual orientation, You know, it's a Tuesday. I only have sex on Saturdays. I'm not into you. I have a boyfriend. Whatever the reason. It's when a woman refuses to have sex with an unspecified male. This is called reverse rape. There is a post that says the Me Too movement should include reverse rape. It's a serious problem and it's just as bad, if not more worse, than what people usually refer to as rape. It's a form of rape. Reverse rape is often overlooked and ignored. It's when someone refuses to date someone because of their appearance, weight, race because they're trans or whatever other biased reason they may have. It's denying love and affection to someone who they would otherwise choose to date in an instant. But because of transphobia, fat phobia, racism or other issues of oppression, they engage in reverse rape. It can be very harmful and cause lasting emotional Wait, trauma. What, and insecurity. Time,
1: did you explain what's reverse rape? Yet? Yeah. It's
0: when a woman refuses to have sex with a man because of the way that they look victims of reverse rape aka rejection are still rape victims
1: what's so crazy is i feel like sounds like a bunch of losers get together and they found these very logical reasons to make themselves feel better
0: yeah like it's not out of this world like i can see why rejection is harmful in terms of maybe not you harmful get ju- it's just, not harmful it but it your hurts your feelings yeah but they
1: came up with these reasons yeah behind it and <laughs> these terms yeah. behind it yeah
0: when he says logical, he doesn't really mean logical. It just means, you know. No, like in their to, mind. Yeah, in their mind. It, it makes works. sense
1: in their brain. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. And they keep like egging each other on. That's why this culture is so toxic, the incel culture. They said victims of reverse rape are still rape victims. It's a serious matter. And it makes me so depressed to see it always overlooked. And we're just not taken seriously. Here's one last one that's terrifying. And this one got a lot of likes. I am sick of seeing women jogging in yoga pants. I went out today as usual for my early morning jog. Everything was fine for the first few minutes or so, but my mood was completely ruined when I saw a group of femoids jogging in front of me, weighing their tight, somewhat transparent yoga pants, as if they're trying to lure orbiters towards them. It pissed me off. I mean, these bitches were not really jogging to be fit. They're just putting on a charade to show themselves off to sexually frustrated men like me degenerates with their little slut pants have the audacity to say like don't sexually objectify me you know what go yourself no one gives a if you're sexually assaulted because you idiots deserve it for wearing slutty clothes in public so I think that's the problem with Leonard Lake. But instead of saying staying an incel, like a lot of these people in these toxic communities, which I am very terrified to tell you does exist to this day, and it's only growing bigger, it seems. But um, he doesn't just stay there. He actually surpasses over into the violent side. So there are incels who then become violent rapists or abusers. There are incels who become mass murderers, and there are incels who become rapists and serial killers. And that is the category that Leonard Lake falls into. So what's his childhood? I mean, where does this, is there a pinpoint that we can say, well, this is where it all started. So he was born in San Francisco, California. Now his parents, Elgin Lake, was a U.S. Navy sailor and his wife, Gloria Lake, you know, they were in a relatively happy marriage. They had their first child, Leonard. And then they had two more children. They had Sylvia and then Donald, like. Now the kids did not strengthen the marriage at all. Like at the point that they had their third kid, Elgin was so over it. He just started drinking more alcohol, just getting drunk and fighting with his wife, fighting with his kids, and after the birth of the third child, Donald, he just decided, I'm not going to do this anymore. I got to move to Seattle. I got to go find some fun. You know, being a dad isn't as fun as I thought it would be. So he completely abandons the family, and Gloria is now a single mom of three. So of course, I mean, she starts struggling a lot it came to the point where leonard spent most of his days living with his grandparents now what's interesting is that he had a really nice childhood with his grandparents like i can't i mean his grandparents weren't wealthy but they never went hungry he went to summer camp in the mountains he would he would have these little vacations at these beautiful lakes he got an allowance he had his own room i mean he seemed to have a relatively nice neighborhood he did have some sort of resentment towards his mom though Because his mom just kind of abandoned him. She would stay away a lot. She would constantly go to Seattle trying to get back with, you know, the father of her children. And then eventually she got into a new relationship and had two more daughters. So it just felt like, what about me? I'm like your first kid. You're not caring about me. What's going on? So he channels all of this energy into starting his own little chemistry lab at his grandparents' house. Which sounds like, wow, he's such a smart kid, right? (laughs) So he has this own little lab, and his favorite experiments involved using acid to dissolve things. You're like, okay, Bill Nye, what are you dissolving? Like, where'd little, you got
1: the acid from? Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, I'm sure there's easy ways. To, someone in the comments—well, there's no comments. Someone's gonna email me. Like, here's the perfect recipe for acid. You guys are weird too. Okay, I'm not the only weird one. So he was making little acids. He, it sounds like Bill Nye, the science guy, but then he starts collecting rats. And he decides, I'm gonna I'm gonna give these rats a house. He starts building like their own little tunnels, castles, like mazes, like an ecosystem for these little rodents, for these little mice. And so at first he had a couple. Then they start mating. And eventually he had like hundreds of mice. That's what he says. So that's what all of his friends said. He had like hundreds of mice. And they were just getting rowdy. Like it's just too much. He's so like, This I can't. wasn't
1: the wasn't a like, oh, I have a problem. He's like, Oh my god, I have abundance of pets.
0: Yeah he was like I have an abundance of pets but then it got too much you know the rice were the rice (laughs) oh my god (laughs) the mice the mice were getting out eventually it becomes overwhelming he's like I only wanted five I didn't want 500 so after all of the care that he put into this he decided that the only solution was to dissolve the mice in acid dissolve their little bodies a lot of his friends saw this happening and they said that all of these mice turned into a nasty green liquid and the smell was horrifying, but it seemed like Leonard enjoyed this process. He wasn't like, "Oh my God, what have I done?" He wasn't like, "Oh no, that's not what I thought was gonna happen. I thought they would just die painlessly." He was just like, "Ha uh-huh. very creepy stuff. I mean, that's like red flag number one. And then he got into photography. He loved. He was like a little photographer. He loved that. His grandparents got him a camera. He started taking pictures of his sisters everywhere. Um, So he would actually sneak into the sisters' rooms and start taking pictures of them while they were changing. So he would catch them nude, and they had no idea. Now, there are some allegations that they did find out, told their grandma, and the grandma did nothing about it. There was also allegations that Leonard Lake would proposition his own sisters into performing sexual acts on him. I don't know if this was true. I don't know if it was declined or accepted. So we're just going to leave it at allegations. Other than that, there was one person that Leonard Lake absolutely hated. So like I said, he has one younger sister and he's got two half sisters mm-hmm. and a younger brother. He mm-hmm. hates his younger brother, but not because it's, oh, this is the only other you know male sibling competition that I've got going on. It's because Donald Lake had been in this huge accident when he was little. A train hit him. That's a huge accident, right? So he suffered serious head injuries and Donald Lake, ever since he was young, was disabled and he received welfare and Leonard thought that that was nasty. He said, welfare, people who take from the system should be punished. What? Leonard said, if I could poison the water supply of every single person on welfare, I would do it because they're leeches. They're better off dead. They're burdens to everyone very again he, but
1: you think it has anything to do with that he has to take care of it? He doesn't brother, have to take care or? of Donald.
0: He there is no you know record of him taking care of Donald. If anything, it seems like Gloria babied Donald a lot. Mm. So maybe that is like the jealousy that spurs. But you know, ever since then to when he gets older, he has this hatred for people on welfare. Just uh, even if they are complete, I mean, I get it. If it was they didn't need welfare and they're just cheating the system, that's one thing. But these people genuinely needed welfare. Like they were genuinely disabled. Something had happened to them. But he was so upset. Just so upset. So right after high school, Leonard decides, I'm going to join the freaking military. So he jumps from base to base. And eventually, he ends up in South Carolina. And he meets his first wife by the name of Karen Lee Mainzerman. And she was 18 at the time. And they had this instant connection. They moved to California together. They get married. And Karen said that the first few months of marriage, you know, and I quote, we're average. That's That's not starting strong, okay? But soon she started noticing some strange things about her newlywed husband, First, he would openly joke with his other Marines because he joined the Marine Corps that he wanted to sell his wife to them. Like, how much would you pay for like a night with my wife, like in front of her? And she would just kind of like, oh, 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 Leonard, just <laughs> being Leonard. I mean, she would laugh it off because this might be some sick, twisted joke. There's I mean, we never talked about it. Why would he? There's no way. I mean, maybe he's just trying to seem, you know, like a macho man. But it was uncomfortable. So Leonard starts, you know, making her wear revealing clothes, just always showing as much skin as possible, incredibly controlling after marriage. Like he just wants to make sure that he knows everything that she's doing. And she tried to go along with it, but it was hard. So she was pretty relieved when he got stationed in Vietnam. So he gets stationed there and his job was to repair radar machinery. But he would tell anyone who would listen after the war, that he enjoyed Vietnam because he enjoyed killing people. Now, he wasn't out in the jungles. You know, he wasn't out watching villagers die because that's you know a big, big thing that happened in Vietnam. He was just repairing stuff in the base.
1: So is he lying, you're saying?
0: There is the PTSD of a lot of his colleagues did die in war, right? But mm-hmm. he's saying that he went out there and he killed a shit ton of Vietnamese troops, which was a lie. Because that wasn't his duty. His duty was straight up to repair radar machinery inside the base in Vietnam. Hmm. And he would brag and he would say, you know, the toughest part isn't about killing someone. It's not putting a bullet in their brain. The toughest part, uh, the worst part, is zipping up the body bag. Not because you've got to see a dead body. Just because it's a nuisance, you know. you got to get the, the zipper gets stuck. you got to zip it all the way up and it's just, uh, that's, the, that's the worst part about killing someone. Fascinating. So while other Marines had PTSD, Leonard wanted to be traumatized. It's like he wanted these experiences so bad that he started imagining them. And it went even further. He would even imagine his wife back at home cheating on him. Like he would just imagine it in his head. There was no proof of it. If anything, people who knew Karen was like, no, Karen would never, right? But he would just imagine it to the point where he had to go to the military psychiatrist. He was like, I can't take it anymore. My wife is cheating on me. I'm going crazy. So this is when they diagnosed him with hysterical neurosis and impending schizophrenia. And said that you were you were no longer allowed to be working on radar machinery. You're going to be stuck in the hospital. And then when you're finally like safe to fly back, we're shipping you back home because you are too much. Like this is not okay. So when he gets back home, his behavior only gets stranger. He decides I'm going to invade a storage area to steal government property as payback for discharging me from the war. He didn't even know what he wanted, but he called everything from that point on an operation. He's going to the grocery store to buy eggs, Operation Eggs.
1: He really wants to continue his um yeah, little marine or yeah whatever mission
0: exactly like he's so obsessed with everything became operation operation miranda like everything was an operation to him so he called it i don't know operation blah 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 and he failed but the whole time you know karen's like maybe you shouldn't have you know tried stealing government property to begin with but he's like no 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 the reason that i failed is not because it was locked up well it's because i had diarrhea so for the next couple of days all he ate was chocolate Because he read somewhere chocolate causes constipation and he says, well, if I'm constipated, I won't have diarrhea and I can go steal government property. This is all very bizarre, right? Like he needs help, right? But he's not getting it. So then with Karen, he starts administering something called, and I quote, controlled beatings. So they would sit in a room. She wouldn't do anything. It's not a fight. Not saying that that excuses it, but, you know, in most cases of abuse, it wasn't a fight. It wasn't an escalated emotional situation. He would just sit there and he would slap her on the face slightly and then harder. And then he would punch her and then he would punch her twice. So it's controlled like he's controlling the level of force in this beating. And then every slap, every punch, he would ask her, do you enjoy the punishment? And she would be forced to say yes. Yes.
1: And what was, the go- what was his goal in this?
0: Just to have her be submissive. He said that this is going to help our marriage is controlled beatings. Jeez. And so again, 18-year-old Karen, I mean, she's trying to stick with this. But then the abuse gets worse. He keeps telling her like mid-sex, you know, like in the middle of doing it. He would say, well, I need other partners. Like you can't even make me climax anymore. She's like, okay, what? like imagine how damaging this is, you know, on top of everything that's going on. The only book that Karen, his wife, was allowed to read, you guess it, The Collector. And she was confused, like if she was reading any other book, it could be the Bible, you know, it could be like the most, you know, we talked about the nanny, right? Um, The giggling nanny, Nanny Doss. She wasn't allowed to read like romance novels, but like she could be reading something so innocent and be like, no, 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 what I say, you're only allowed to read The Collector, very bizarre. So he had what she claims is a God complex. Like if you were to ever say, oh my God, he would say yes, but he was dead serious. Like totally not as a joke. <laughs> like you'd say, oh my God, yes.
1: Oh my God well don't say it (laughs) okay that is really annoying imagine someone does that in real life
0: yeah and every single time you're just like oh my god I want to punch oh there I did it again (laughs) yeah it's, it's infuriating so the final straw in the marriage was said to have been when he forced Karen to work at a strip club and he started lounging at home took all of her money beat her and then behind her back he started filming these BDSM porn films with other women so she was like I can't do this anymore she divorced him Now, a lot of people in Leonard's life said that this fueled Leonard's hatred against women more because he couldn't put two and two together. He couldn't be like, oh, she left me because I'm abusive and violent and a cheater. He's like, she left me because women are disgusting. So after this divorce, he starts drifting aimlessly. He's like taking odd jobs here and there. He's dating more people. And all of them at one point, like at some point in this relationship, they start getting alarmed by him. Like at first, he's really nice. He's very normal looking, honestly, because I know like when he talks about himself, there's like the sense of like, I'm balding, I'm fat. But when you look at a picture of him, and I'm trying to say this unbiased because I hate him, he doesn't look horrendous. Like he would look like a nice guy. Like, yeah, he looks chill. But he would seem nice and then he would try to convince you to do sex work and then he would convince you to take these nude photographs and then he would want you to convince your friends to pose for these nude photographs and then he would start talking nonstop about fantasies for snuff films. He said that the dream is to have sex with someone and kill them when he climaxes all on camera. It would be the ultimate sexual high. So, of course, all these women say, <laughs> that's funny. Wouldn't you go to prison for murder? No, no, no. I, I would never risk my freedom. That's why I always carry cyanide pills. I'll kill myself before I lose my freedom. Hmm. The only friend in Leonard's life seemed to be a man by the name of Charles Gunner. And this friend was super um, close to him. This was the best man at his first wedding. He <laughs> Leonard would call Charles a whale because he was overweight. That was his nickname for him. And Leonard's eyes, Charles, was like the worst person in society because he was living off of welfare. He would but, go out of his way, yeah.
1: But his friends with him?
0: Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and so he would go out of his way to, you know, flirt with Charles, Charles's wife right in front of Charles. They would go on these hikes on their off days, and he would choose like the most, you know, athletically strenuous hikes, and he would just yell at Charles, like, you're so fat, why can't you climb this hill, Like, it was just bizarre. This whole friendship was bizarre, right? So during all of this, he's still trying to get nude photos of women, right? Anyone he sees, anyone that's pretty on the streets, he wants nude photos of them. And the best way that he did that was with his friend's goat. So this goat is interesting. It's an all-white goat. But it had like this um, horn sprouting in the middle of its forehead, which you're thinking, okay, it's a unicorn, right? <laughs> but you find out that during the first few months of this goat's life, there was a surgical procedure done. Some allege that th- this horn was just sewn on to the goat's head as a baby. And it just kind of, you know, mended skin over time. But it, it's it's not natural. But it yeah. did look like a unicorn. So Leonard would go around showing all of these random women on the street. Sometimes he would go to like Renaissance fairs and like be like, look at my goat. That,
1: that's his goat?
0: Yeah, like his friend's goat. So he'd Uh-oh. borrow it. He'd be like, look at my unicorn. And he'd say, you know what would be like the best? Well, his name's Sir Lancelot, the unicorn. The best way is for you to take pictures butt naked in a beautiful stream behind you with this (laughs) unicorn because that's majestic and that's the symbol of virginity and that's really like high fashion do you know what i mean i'm
1: really like trying to picture this unicorn here yeah the goat so usually it's a horse yeah but now i'm picturing (laughs) a goat
0: it's like when you're like mom can i buy a unicorn and they're like we have unicorn at home this
1: is the unicorn at home yeah from wish
0: yeah it's (laughs) it's budget Yeah, it's a budget CGI.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of small, right? Yeah,
0: and it's kind of like stonky. Yeah. Yeah. Sir Lancelot the goat (laughs) and the woman would take photos some of them would he would approach girls as young as 12 years old he'd say how high fashion you could use these for like your modeling portfolio and a lot of them did now it it was creepy he would try to sexually harass them during these photo shoots and his favorite way of doing that was tell them that their nipples weren't pink enough and he would grab a little tube of lipstick and put it on his finger rub a little bit on his middle finger and start rubbing them on the woman's area is without her consent. And he's just like, oh, I'm just a helpful photographer. This is for the best pictures. <sighs> yeah. So then he meets this woman by the name of Carolyn Ballas. But um, she goes by the name Cricket. That's her nickname. I don't know why. So Leonard meets Cricket and she was a teacher's aide and something about her instantly attracted him. Like they just got together. She was about 5 feet 7. She had this dark hair, blue eyes, had flowers in her hair the day that they met. And sexually for once they were kind of a match. She loved having new people in their bed. She loved bondage. She loved BDSM. She was like the one of the few women that he met that posed confidently for these pictures. Other girlfriends are like, oh I don't really like what are you going to do with these pictures? <laughs> like what if we break up? You know but she was just like do it let's take pictures here let's take pictures there i mean meanwhile he's like talking to a teenager and she's okay with it she's like yeah around i don't care that has never come out of my mouth before okay and this leonard would send pictures of cricket to this teenager that he's in a relationship with talking about how they're going to move in together, they're having sex, you know. He would send pictures of them doing it, trying to get this teenager jealous. I mean, it was just, all of this is bizarre. Cricket and Leonard were constantly bringing new people home. Leonard would have sex with them on -on one-on-ones, and then he would tell them about how he wants to have sex with his half-sister, Janet. They're like, what? I just came here for like a menage a trois, and you're telling me that you're... You have incest fantasies? What is going on? Like, I got to get out of here. So this is happening in San Francisco with Leonard. So then who is Charles? Because I feel like a lot of people who know the name Leonard Lake also knows Charles Ng. And this, this person is born on the other side of the world. He was born in Hong Kong. Now, the Ng family... Yes, the Ying family, they had two daughters and they really wanted a son. So they keep trying, keep trying and finally it was a Christmas miracle. Charles Ying was born December 24th on Christmas Eve. Now, Charles's oh. dad Kenneth, he worked hard. He was a believer in taking care of his family. Like he left, he let all of his relatives stay with him when they needed it. So they had this two-bedroom apartment in Hong Kong. The parents stayed there, the three kids, they had two grandmothers living with them and two aunties who needed a place to stay. It was intense. But the family never went hungry. They even had a car, which in Hong Kong was like, you're rich if you had a car at that time. So Kenneth buys this piano. He wants to make sure that all his kids are educated well, take lessons. Very typical, dare I say, Asian thinking, right? Like that was kind of the environment that he grew up in. Now, during the trial of Charles... A lot that will be brought up is that he was beat by his parents. But when you look at the culture... so does
1: 99.99% of kids at that time. Yeah,
0: in Hong Kong. Yeah, so there was like this argument of... I think
1: it's a bigger, better (laughs) argument if you say, well, he was not beat growing up. See how he turned out, you know? Yeah. Just like in that time, at that culture, like
0: yeah that time that culture was very different so it was kind of this argument of well that was in hong kong and most kids in hong kong did not grow up to be serial killers so can we bring this argument to the american u.s courts how does that work so there was that argument so he was beat up as a kid um especially for getting bad grades it wasn't like his dad was an alcoholic who would just use his kid as a punching bag it was like why did you skip class i'm gonna beat you um charles was obsessed with martial arts he said you know fork school i don't care about grades i i love bruce lee i want to be the next Bruce Lee. So he starts just practicing like all of these martial arts at home and his parents are just getting more and more annoyed. And they're like, you're throwing away your education. Why are you doing this? And the only other thing that Charles was interested in was having pets very differently from Leonard. Like he wasn't into like having mice and killing them and dissolving them in acid and turning them into green liquid. He was obsessed with his pet chicken. Do you know where this story is going to go? So he had this pet chicken. Loved this.
1: Oh, Oh, no. I know exactly where this is going.
0: Loved this pet chicken. Okay, this is very much giving me Robert Picton vibes.
1: It's the saying that don't play with food.
0: <laughs> oh, no. So we, uh, don't act like you guys don't eat chicken. Unless you guys are vegan, That I commend you. You guys are amazing. Um, I eat chicken. So he has this pet chicken, and it would just pee everywhere. So at first, his family was like, okay, fine. It's a little bizarre that you have a pet chicken, especially in the middle of the city in Hong Kong, in our apartment, not a farm, but do your thing. But that chicken would pee everywhere, on the mattress, in the hallway, in the kitchen. And then one day Charles comes home and his parents are cooking it on the stove. And he was beyond traumatized. He was so upset, so disgusted. Did he stop eating chicken? No, he wasn't that upset that was probably the most traumatic thing that initially happened. He wore these really thick glasses, probably got bullied for it, so there's that. And he started acting out more. He would beat up kids in the park, he would write these super sexual letters to his teachers, he would mix chemicals in classrooms to start fires at school. So eventually, this Hong Kong school was like, um, I know that you guys are paying us this really intense tuition, but you gotta go. Like, we're expelling this kid. He is too much trouble to handle. So his parents, they're like, this is a disgrace. No other Hong Kong school is gonna gonna take him because his records are gonna be sent over he tried to burn the school down what kind of school is gonna be like yeah Let's just bring him in. We can fix him. No way. So they send him to live with his uncle in the United Kingdom. And his uncle called and said, I can't do this. Like, I can't handle this kid. He's He stole from his classmates. He's causing trouble. I'm an embarrassment in my town now. Like, what, what have you guys done with this kid? So then they call up another auntie. And she lives in San Francisco, California. So they're like, please. Like, he's about to be in college now. Can he just go to community college? Can you just keep an eye on Charles? We'll pay you for it. So Charles gets sent to San Francisco on a student visa and he starts attending college there. But, I mean, he didn't like any of his other grades. He's not just going to magically like college. So he decides out of nowhere that he's going to walk straight into the U.S. Marine recruiting station right before his 19th birthday and enlist in the U.S. Marines. You're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I think you got to be a citizen. Like you gotta be a citizen to fight for this country right not yeah. saying that you should be I'm just saying I thought that that was a lot right yeah. but uh, the speculation is that the recruiter forged the documents because he wasn't a citizen so there is somewhere out there a birth certificate that shows that Charles Ng was born in Indiana and this is gonna be a huge part of this whole shenanigans because he could have been deported before the serial killings happened but he wouldn't be
1: Ah. Uh, and then the, it'll so the happen re- again the recruiting officer
0: yeah was like up here. we need another one we need to get this guy on the team. He's into martial arts. He's going to be the next Bruce Lee of the U.S. Marines. So they get him into the Marines, and he was um, a little bit too much even for the Marines. Now, I saw this guy on TikTok who, like, compares all the military branches, and apparently the Marines, they love killing people. I don't know. Is that, like, a thing? That's what they said. The Marines are some heavy people. They're intense people. But even for them, Charles was overboard. So there were these sayings that people would chant in the Marines. No gun, no fun, no kill, no thrill. You know, they would do these during drills. But Charles, he would recite it nonstop. He'd be in the shower, no gun, no fun. He'd be laying in bed, no kill, no thrill. (laughs) Someone would say, hi, good morning, Charles. No gun, no fun, no kill, no thrill. Like a broken record. He would just recite it nonstop. You would think that that's a red flag. But on his reports, he was considered a, and I quote, outstanding weapons handler. He becomes the butt of the joke in most of these um, Marine communities because he was Asian. So there was a lot of racial slurs that were thrown off by this. And he got he got pissed. Who wouldn't be pissed? So he decides he's going to steal weapons from the facility as revenge. So the way that it works is that when you're in the Marines, they house all the weapons that you're given. So just because your supervisor gives you a grenade, it's not like you can just take it home. You can take it off base. Like these all have to be accounted for. So when you're not actively using them, there's like this warehouse, this 24-7 guarded cor- Orders with all of the machinery. And they have lockers and it's intense, right? So he, Charles, he takes turns being a guard at this facility and he decides to concoct this plan that he's going to co- get involved, a, a conspiracy of sorts with a couple other guards to steal weapons, dynamites, hand grenades, TNT. Like he was going to sell them on the black market as a big fuck you to the Marines. Because think about it. Imagine the huge profits. US Marines weapons? Are you kidding me? People would pay top dollar for this. So that's his plan. But he gets caught doing it. So after he gets caught, he's like, well, I can either stick around and get sent to military prison, which I've heard is worse than any type of prison, county, state, federal prison, military prison. Oh, God, you're screwed. So he's like, I got to go. I got to flee. So he has only a couple of comrades that he trusts and he approaches one of them and he's like, I I, got to go. What do I do? I don't have a place to go. Like my family's not going to take me. And this guy says, well, I I know someone. I know someone. Oh, man, what's his name? Leonard Lake in California. He's an ex-Marine, too. So he's probably going to take you in. You know, we've got that code of brotherhood, ex-Marine, always a Marine, once a Marine. You get it. He's a he's a huge survivalist. He has this isolated place. And I think I think he's building a bunker. Last I heard. Yeah, I'm sure you could work there. Help him build his bunker for free housing. That'd be cool. Yeah, I can give you his number. So he gets on a plane from Hawaii where he was stationed to California. Now you're thinking what I was thinking. If you didn't watch the Golden Age of Hijacking episode, that show of the um the hostages planes were not the safest back then you would think that he'd get stopped at tsa but there was no tsa so he just like got on the plane went to california the military didn't stop him and he calls leonard lake and leonard was like i'm 100 percent down to have a friend and this duo was a match made in hell they start bonding on one thing they like violent sex and they like violent sex with unwilling women how does that topic even come about? So,
1: they like to rape.
0: Yeah, they like to rape people violently. And they start finding rape victims. Um, a, a woman would come forward and she said that she was a sex worker at the time, arranged for her services. And she meets Leonard. He takes pictures of her and they were about to get it on, but she's like, oh, let me go use the ba- bathroom, right? She goes to the motel bathroom. When she gets out, there's Charles just lunging at her, throws her onto the bed, and starts frantically stabbing the mattress around her body and brutally raped her while Leonard watched and probably took pictures of this whole process. And at the end, they paid her and they said, this is something we do all the time, but we usually kill the girls that we've been with. But I like you, so we're not going to kill you. Leonard also starts developing um, more of an intense taste for his photographs instead of just nude photographs with Sir Lancelot, the goat unicorn. He now wants women to wear a completely white makeup, dark, like completely white foundation and dark eyeliner, long wigs of hair and wanted them to pose in a pre-dug grave. He wanted them to look like they were dead inside of this grave.
1: So, like, are you saying he's into dead people?
0: Seems like it. It's just bizarre. Mm hmm. Now, this is where it gets crazy. There's gonna be multiple arrests on this. <laughs> I can't even explain. So the first arrest happens because the FBI was working with the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office, which Mendocino County, there's a lot going on there. Apparently, Charles was known to be a fugitive from the U.S. Marines. There have been some speculation that he was in California because his aunt was living in California. That's where he came from before he was recruited. He had illegal guns. When they went through his Hawaii base, you know, locker, they found tons of dynamite that he was storing, timer weapons that he had stolen from the Marines. So they're thinking, oh, oh, God, this guy's dangerous. We got to find him ASAP. We can't let something bad happen. So April 18th of 1982, going through witness statements, they find that Charles Ng was at a local motel and the FBI, they start zeroing in on him and they chase him. They follow him and stalk him to a ranch where him and Leonard Lake were staying. So they bust the place. You know, they find a plethora of handguns, rifles, fully automatic rifles, hand grenades, TNT, silencers for guns, tear gas, several boxes of ammunition. It was a lot. So Charles and Leonard both, they're arrested for the first time. And they are charged with 17 felony counts of firearm violations. Now, immediately, Leonard, he gets bailed out by Cricket and he decides, I'm going to take my chances. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go to court so that I can face the music for 17 felony counts. Are you kidding? I'm just going to I'm going to become a fugitive. So after he gets bailed out, he starts he starts running from the law. I'm going to miss my court date. I'm not doing this anymore. Full on fugitive status. Now, Charles Zing, he is not going to get bail and he would now sit in military prison. This is a rough high security military prison for the next 26 months. And during this entire time, he would be writing letters to Leonard to pass the time. Leonard would even send him pictures of naked woman to help him pass the time. Now, as a fugitive, Leonard Lake is doing the absolute most. He's moving from place to place. He's selling weed. He's trying to find a third partner for his relationship with Cricket because that's so important when you're a fugitive. You're like threesomes. His new dream was to get two women pregnant at the same time. He was like, "Whoa, what a kick that would be!" Now nobody was really down, even if they were attracted to Leonard physically and Cricket physically. Anytime they saw Leonard and Cricket together, it's like they would fight nonstop, and it was just about dumb stuff. It's like kids. You have this like inkling that, oh, God, if I do enter in this like poly relationship with them, I'm going to I'm going to be the mediator. This is like a world of trouble. So Leonard's main stress was from being a fugitive. He was a man with a plan, though. Right. So he decides to call up his family out of nowhere and says, Mom, what are you doing? I want to talk to my little brother, Donald. I haven't seen them in so long. You know, I'm in my late 30s now, and it's about time that we made up finally. I know I said a lot of harmful stuff about him in the past, but I just want to be his friend. I think I've matured. I don't hate him anymore. So why don't I just take him up to a trip? We can go camping in Northern California. Just me and Don Don. It'll be nice, brotherly. Don Don. So yeah, him and Don Don, they leave. They go on this trip, and nobody would ever see Donald again. Coincidentally, though, a lot of accounts started opening up in Donald's name. His driver's license was even used in a lot of these. Someone was even cashing his disability checks. Nobody, I mean nobody, likes to run uphill. That's like my least favorite part. You want to run downhill. You want to feel the breeze. You want to feel that smoothness. But uphill, it's a battle. It's exhausting. And you know what reminds me of that? Paying off debt, especially debt with high interest rates that result in minimum monthly payments that keep me in endless cycles of debt. That is an uphill battle that just never ends, and it can feel exhausting and overwhelming, and like, what do I do? Upstart can actually help you get ahead in this battle. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan, and it's done all online, okay? Whether it's paying off those credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple, fixed, monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks more at than just your credit score, which is awesome. So they look at your income, your employment history. That means that they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. All you do is you take this 5-minute online rate check and you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. Like I said, all on the comfort of your couch. You don't have to go sit at a bank with someone in a stuffy suit feeling nervous. And you can even receive these funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash rotten. That's upstart.com slash rotten. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided on your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash rotten. No one would ever be convicted for Donald's disappearance or murder but we can kind of let our imaginations run with this one
1: i mean the mother probably has a clear idea right yeah
0: i think everyone everyone's like what so leonard's sexual escapades continue through this he would get upset though because now you know he's getting a little bit older he's getting a little bit fatter he's losing a little bit more hair and all of his partners were just not up to his visual standards he would constantly say i just got a blowjob but from a stupid ugly woman look at what levels i fall into during all of this, Cricket knows of his plans to create a bunker. That that was his one dream. I want to create a bunker. I want to have sex slaves. And Cricket knew. And Cricket even thought, okay, maybe I could help recruit people for your potential sex slaves. Under the lie that my husband is a professional photographer. <laughs> but he needed more money to make this bunker. So he starts something called Operation Fish. Do you remember whale? A whale is a type of fish, I guess. Well, is it? But in Leonard's mind, it was. So Operation Fish was to kill his best friend, Charles Gunner, that he called a whale. And he writes about it in his journal. And he writes about Operation Fish failed today because Charles did not eat the snacks. So we're assuming that the snacks were laced with cyanide, which was, you know, something Leonard loved to do. During the week, there were another two failed attempts. And then finally, he wrote Operation Fish phase one complete. Finally. So we can assume, you know, that was the last day Charles Gunner was seen by his wife or his children. And Leonard tells Charles' wife, hey, uh, I went on a trip with Charles and he met this girl. He says, yeah, she's so much hotter than you. I'm going to leave my wife and kids, my entire family to be with this girl now. And they all believed it and they were heartbroken. So he starts using Charles's money, Charles's car, and he moves on with his life. He starts building this bunker. He starts hiring teenagers through ads to, like, cut down trees. He starts dating other women. And it's kind of a surprise that nobody called the police on him during all of this. There was a girlfriend that he dated who had kids. So the kid's like, I want to watch a movie. You have so many videotapes in your living room. So she picked, like, a famous title. She sticks it into the video recorder, the player. And there's this woman in the bathroom. And she's changing. She's removing her clothes. And it's obvious that she had no idea that she was being filmed. So something had been taped over this movie. And the whole family's watching it. The girlfriend's there. Leonard's there. The kid's there. They're all just sitting in shock. And Leonard casually walks up, takes the tape out of the player, and replaces it with a different movie. Never talked about it again. He wrote in his diary about how he met one of the cutest blondes who is 12 years old. And he called her the worst kind of jailbait. So finally, he settles down with Cricket in Cricket's parents' mountain cabin. They were allowed to stay there, and that is when Operation Miranda really went into full force, cutting down the trees, getting a cement foundation, started spending all of Donald and Charles' money on building this bunker. And Leonard is getting more excited. He starts writing in his diary. Lately, life seems to be too often a beauty contest. The prettiest girl gets the job. The richest man gets the most opportunities. The best looking man gets the same. People help the person with the best smile, the nicest personality, etc. Completely understandable. But us not so great looking types frequently take second or third best at everything. I live to correct this. Charlesine gets released from 26 months in prison and to his surprise he wasn't deported to hong kong this is why i say it becomes a huge scandal because it's one thing to get deported you know when he's enlisting in the marines it's another thing after all of this you don't deport him so they're just like okay bye have a good time so i don't know if they just saw his fake birth certificate from indiana and there was some miscommunication Because legally
1: he's not allowed to be there anymore right? no yeah because he was in a student visa yeah okay
0: legally not allowed but they're just like okay have fun criminal like let's not even check your records so he just gets released he calls up leonard and he's filled in about operation miranda and they're getting each other hyped up even more and they're like okay well what do we need operation miranda we need more cash we need more money oh we need some video recorders we need some cameras professional cameras because imagine imagine we do all of this and we don't document it kind of loser stuff is that we've got to document every second so they start going through local ads they find multiple different men either looking to sell a car or looking for a sexual partner and a lot of them have been linked to be disappeared or to be dead after contact with charles or leonard i'll give you the full list in a little bit what,
1: what are they looking for
0: so they look for men around their age so it's kind of like a hopefully i can steal your identity as well uh. to get the money for this bunker one particular family harvey Dubbs and his wife deborah and their 16 month son sean hadn't been seen for several days So everyone's like, that's strange. Why aren't they coming into work? I mean, this is a responsible family. But it just seemed like the family had vanished. When you go inside their house, I mean, there had been some sort of struggle that happened. Deborah's medication that she takes every single day was left in the house. The baby's room, complete mess. The cats were locked up and left in the house with no food, which is really strange, right? Like, families don't just run away together. This is bizarre. The police had no leads. The only thing that they knew is right before their disappearance, Harvey had posted an ad in the local newspaper renting out his video equipment. And All of that said video equipment was missing from the apartment and they will later find it in the bunker. Now, with that video equipment, the torture started. It's suspected that Leonard and Charles had over 25 victims. That is including the men, that is including the families, and that is including female victims. But confirmed, they found 12 victims buried near the bunker. So Charles would later tell people that after getting women into the bunker, they would torture them. Their favorite methods of torture. Do you know what a vice is? So it's kind of like um, a construction tool where you attach it to a very solid table and it's like a clamp. You clamp down a piece of wood so that you can saw it. It's just something that you clamp materials into. It's like a screw mechanism that you like twist the lever and it gets tighter and tighter Uh, until, you know, it's clamped and it won't move so you can work on it. It's a construction tool. Well, Charles allegedly said that he liked to stick people's hands into vices and break their knuckles slowly. He claimed to love putting power drills into vaginas, female private parts with screws with nails attached. Um, on some occasions he bragged about using pliers to fully rip off female nipples.
1: This is both of them, right?
0: Yeah. There's something called, well, I didn't know this was the thing, but Charles said there's something called the asshole grip death. And what that means is it's to choke a woman, usually to death, using their own underwear or their pantyhose while you sodomize them. Charles also would later claim that um, allegedly that he would sit there and eat dinner while watching Leonard rape their victims in the bunker. There were allegations that guns were shoved into vaginas to invoke fear. It's said that some of the victims were found with um, nails in their palms, like hammered into them, and another victim was emasculated with a chainsaw. Yet apparently Charles told people that he loved the torture. He said that the minute that the victim showed no fear or they stopped begging for their life, or they stopped screaming, that's when he would kill them. Not a lot of videotapes were recovered from the crime scene compared to what people thought there would be. So one that was recovered was of a woman by the name of Kathleen Allen, who was 18 years old. So she was having a really good life. I mean, she was spending her time with her sister and her mom in San Jose, California. Everyone knew Kathy was just strong and intelligent. That's what everyone said about her. She could make anybody laugh. If someone had problems, she came ready with solutions. She was like, I'm going to fix it for you. She was that type of person. She was everybody's friend. So she worked at the local supermarket to try to support her family. And she had this boyfriend by the name of Michael Sean Carroll, who was 23 years old. And he worked at a pizza restaurant. So finally, Michael's like, come on, Kathy, like move in with me. Move in with me. And she finally decides maybe it's time for the next step. So they get this motel room while they're looking for a permanent place and they're staying there. But one day, Mike just doesn't come home from work. So she's like, okay, that's weird. But may- maybe he's with his friends. You know, Mike Mike has a very interesting track record. He sometimes dabbled in drugs, Sometimes he was abusive, so it it wasn't the most out of norm thing. She waits a day, but her friend calls her and is like, hey, Michael just called you at work and said that he has problems in San Francisco near Lake Tahoe. He needs you to meet him in Lake Tahoe. I think someone's going to pick you up from the store. They said that they're going to come pick you up, drive you to Lake Tahoe because I think Mike's been shot or something. She's like, what? This is so bizarre. Like, who is he? Who is he messing with? Why is he shot? What happened? So she's like, "Okay, well, I got to go. So she gets into this stranger's car. And the next thing we know, she's sitting in a brown recliner like a lounge chair. The same one where Leonard made his philosophy video. And she had her hands tied behind her back. Her legs were tied together and she was in a state of shock. And Leonard told her, Mike owes us and he can't pay. So now we're going to give you a choice, Kathy. This is probably the last choice we're ever going to give you. You can either go along with us, you can cooperate, you know, you can do everything we tell you to do willingly. And in approximately 30 days, we'll either drug you, blindfold you, and make sure that you have no idea where you are or where you're going. We'll take you to the city and let you go. But if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to cooperate, we'll probably shoot you in the head and take you out and bury you in the same area we buried Mike. So she's told on camera that her boyfriend is dead. Is he dead? Yeah. So they tell her, we'll probably have you write some letters to your friends and family, telling them some bullshit story that you guys moved to Timbuktu. While you're here, we're going to keep you busy. You'll wash for us. You'll clean for us. You'll cook for us. And you'll F for us. And so, of course, Kathy says, yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And that's when the emotional torture starts. Leonard starts laughing about how Mike, her dead boyfriend, hates her. He's telling me on and on about how you're lame and he was going to break up with you anyway. He told me that he got a blowjob from this strange woman at the motel before we killed him. And he was just like enjoying this psychological torture that he was putting on Kathy. They force her to stand up and undress in front of them. And they keep reminding her that there's a gun on the table. And the video ends with Leonard asking Charles to take her to shower. Another clip showed Kathy completely nude, wearing only pantyhose that was ripped at her private area, and she was being forced to massage Charles, and he kept saying, like, get my ass, and the camera panned to show a bunch of still pictures of Kathy wearing various different sets of lingerie. She had been in captivity for over a week at this point, when this video had been filmed. She was wearing full makeup, mascara, lipstick, I mean... People who saw her in the video, I mean, there's this one picture that did go viral and she looks upset, but otherwise it looks kind of like a normal picture. Like it's taken from an above angle. She's kind of pouting and you're thinking, oh, maybe this is a picture at a party. It's actually a picture taken by Leonard Blake and Charles Ng. So in the cell that she stayed in for her captivity, there was a list of rules taped to the wall. And it says this rules. Number one, I must always be ready to service my master. I must be clean, brushed and made up with my cell neat. Number two, I must never speak unless spoken to. Unless in bed, I must never look my master in the eye, must keep my eyes downcast. Three, I must never show my disrespect, either verbally or silent. I must never cross my arms or legs in front of my body or clench my fists. And unless I'm eating, I must always keep my lips parted.
1: What? Yeah. Lip parted.
0: Four, I must obey immediately and without question or comment. Five, I must be quiet when locked in my cell. Six, I must remember and obey any additional rules told to me. I must understand that any disobedience, any pain, trouble, or annoyance caused by me to my master will be grounds for punishment. There was another tape found of Brenda O'Connor. And, um, she was sitting on the same chair that Kathy was sitting on and Brenda had a, she lived nearby. She was actually like a neighbor and she had a husband named Lonnie and their two-year-old son was named Lonnie Jr. So all of them were kidnapped. They were drugged by Leonard and Charles and they tell Brenda, we have to let you know, Brenda, the neighborhood doesn't like you. The neighborhood doesn't like Lonnie and we haven't liked you guys since you moved in. And she's, you know, so terrified. She's tied up and she says, okay, so we'll leave. Well, we're already sending your husband away and your baby. We're sending them away. So she's like, what do you you mean you're taking my baby away? Like, what do you mean? Well, there's a family in Fresno that doesn't have a baby, but they've got one now. It's better than your baby being dead, right? Right, Brenda? Anyway, here are your choices. You can cooperate with us or we'll tie you to the bed, rape you, and then take you outside, shoot you. It's your choice. So she cooperates and she begs for her child and they keep telling her, I don't think you're a fit mother. And she asks, well, are you just going to keep me here for the rest of my life? No, we'll probably keep you around for a few weeks, then pass you around. So during this, Charles is there cutting off her shirt with a knife and she's terrified. And she keeps saying, please don't cut off my bra. And he tells her, nothing is yours now. It's all ours. You can try to cry like the rest of them, but it won't do you any good. We're pretty cold-hearted, so to speak. And while she's naked, they start comparing her to Kathy. Saying things like, oh, isn't she a little bit better than Kathy? Eh, no, I think Kathy was a little bit younger. Wait, no, she's a little bit older. Wait, Kathy was older? Anyway, Brenda just had a baby. She looks okay. On camera. In front of terrified Brenda. There was a clip found of um, Deborah Dubs, the one whose husband was selling the video equipment, mm-hmm. and the police say that she had been assaulted to the point where they think that she would not have survived her injuries. So the speculation of people who came in contact with a hundred percent every single time Leonard Lake and most of them had come in contact with Charles Ying had disappeared. So the list is long: Donald Lake, Charles Gunner. Maurice Rock, Sheila Caro, Randy Jacobson, Harvey Dubbs, Deborah Dubbs, Sean Dubbs, Paul Costner, Clifford Parentu, Jeffrey Gerald, Michael Carroll, Kathleen Allen, Lonnie Bond, Brenda O'Connor, and Lonnie Bond Jr. Just this list is two babies, four women, 10 men, and who knows how many more. With some of these victims, Charles would allegedly claim that they would release them into the forest, a lot of these men, naked, completely afraid, and they would hunt them down. They loved to like make these guys feel like they got away, but then they would show up and they would kill them. They would burn their bodies. There was an incinerator found in the bunker and then scatter the ashes around the property. They would bury the bones. They would try to um, kind of make the bones brittle enough to dust them into powder. Allegedly, about 45 pounds of bone remnants were found. So I don't know what happened, but Charles decided that he needed another vice, the the little thing that you screw to hold things down from a construction store. So he goes into one and instead of paying for it, he decides he's going to steal it. And so he steals it, walks out of there with this heavy vice, pops the trunk of the Honda that he also stole with Leonard from a dead person, from someone who has disappeared, who has a missing persons report out, puts the vice in there. And that is when the sales clerk is like, hey, what are you doing? So Charles is like, oh, sh- I'm caught. So he runs. He flees on foot. Now, Leonard has been in the store. Like, they were together the whole time. So Leonard's pissed. He goes up to the sales clerks, and he's like, Oh, God, that's my friend. He he probably forgot to pay for it. Like, let me pay for it. Please, let me pay for it. So he's busy paying for it. But one of the sales clerks already decided, I'm going to call the cops. I mean, this is so shady. These guys are so shady. So the cops get there within minutes, and they're looking inside of this open trunk. I mean, it's just completely open, and they see the vice. They're like, it's a stolen vice. There's the vice. They also see what looks like a like a small clutch in the trunk. So they open it up and there's a handgun. So the police are not having this. They're not into this. And Leonard walks out and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on? I ha- I have the receipt. No need for the police or to arrest my friend. I already paid for the vice. Like, it's fine. It was just a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Okay, w- well, who does this car belong to? Uh, Lonnie, Lonnie Bond. Okay, but he runs the plates and the plates show that it should be registered for a Buick, not a Honda. So someone had switched the plates. Why, is, why are these plates not on a Buick? That's strange. So the cop is like, you know that's illegal, right? To switch plates on a car. So w- give me your ID. I got to arrest you. So Leonard gives him the ID of one of his potential victims. Not his real ID because he's a fugitive from the law. Remember the firearms charge, right? Now Leonard looks so much older because the license says that he's 26, but Leonard was 38. Mm -hmm. So the cops like that's weird checks the gun registration and it's registered to the person on the ID. So he's like, okay, all of this is so strange. I just got to arrest you for owning an illegal weapon. There's a silencer on this gun. That's illegal. The license plates are all messed up. You just let's go. So they get into the car. He's arrested and he's being taken to the police station. Charles has disappeared. He's running. and when they take the honda in it gets even weirder the honda is now licensed to someone else entirely paul costner who had disappeared so we've got the license plate of someone else the car of somebody else a you know a license id that doesn't look like him how many identities are going on right now so once leonard's taken into this police station they find a receipt on him and it was signed by charles Gunnar, another person to add to the equation
1: these people are all missing
0: yeah, so they're like, this is, this is strange. What's, what's going on? So they sit him down in the interrogation room, and he says, okay, I will tell you guys everything. My name is Leonard Lake. I'm a fugitive from the law. I have a firearms charge out against me, felony charges. And my friend who stole the vice, his name is Charles Ng. I'll give you guys the full confession, as long as, can you get me a pen and paper and a cup of water? I want to I wanna write a note for my wife. So they bring him a pen and paper and a cup of water, and the police give him some privacy to write this letter. But when they come back, he's laying on the ground, foaming at the mouth and having a seizure. So he's taken to the hospital where he's barely alive. And it's found that he had ingested two cyanide pills that he always wore with him. Like he would sew it into clothing. He would tape it to his lapels. This guy was serious. And so now the police are left with another puzzling thing.
1: Is he dead or he's alive?
0: He, he dies. Oh, okay. Yeah. The police were wondering, okay, we just thought that maybe that's a stolen car. What kind of guy kills himself over a stolen car? The note said, Dear Lynn, I love you. Forgive me. Freedom is better than all else. I'm sorry. Mom, Patty and all, I'm sorry for all the trouble love leonard so they're like who's this wife let's look up his marriage certificates they find cricket and they reach out to her they're like we want to search the place that he was living in right we've got these warrants where is it and she's like oh that's my dad's cabin um it's super remote like i'm really busy right now but i could totally take you tomorrow like i would give you the directions but you would get so lost you have to take these back roads and then you're gonna miss the entrance and i can take you guys all the police there tomorrow like i'm gonna be super cooperative but i can't go today now the police tell her straight up You cannot go before we go. You know that, right? And she's like, don't even worry about it. So the next day when she agreed to meet the police to guide them to the bunker, to the cabin, she comes late. So they're like, why are you late? What's going on? And she says, oh, I I probably should let you guys know I did go to the cabin. Why would you do that? Oh, because it was just so dirty. I wanted to tidy it up. This, I think, also fuels the speculation that there were more victims, that there were more videotapes, because, I mean, the fact that they would journal and document all of these things, but we could only find, you know, two, three clips here and there, it's just all so shady. She
1: probably trashed everything, right?
0: Yeah, and they had a big incinerator there, Mm, so they searched the place. The cabin was not hard to find at all, okay? They are like, this is the place? Like, she knew what she was doing. This was not that remote. They found bullet holes, stains all over the place, blood stains. The bedpost had hooks to t- tie someone up, spread eagle. Inside of the dresser were just a plethora of women's lingerie, a lot of them had dark red blood stains. Mattresses were heavily stained with dried blood. The incinerator was super suspicious. Inside of the tool shed, there were 21 photos of 21 different women hung up on the wall. Young women, some of them were nude, some of them weren't. I mean, they the police are thinking all things, like is this a trophy of all the women that they've killed thankfully a lot of them were still alive they were able to trace a lot of them down and they were still alive they also find a treasure map drawn to show where little treasures were buried now this is not to be super This is not out of the norm for doomsday preppers they like to bury food they like to bury money right but a lot of the stuff wasn't so innocent So that's when they dig up these plastic paint buckets with sealed lids. And that's where they find Leonard's journal. The videotapes of Kathy and Brenda and of Deborah were found. They found photo albums of more naked women. They found other journals. And then when they look over to the corner, they see these little ants, a bunch of ants near the soil. And they're carrying these little white pieces of um, gravel, it looks like. Shut
1: the front door. They were looking at ants. Yeah. But when the police
0: looks closer, they're like, that's not gravel. That's larvae. That's maggot larvae, which means something weird is buried. So they start digging. And sure enough, once they dig, they hit bone fragments. Thousands of bone fragments were gathered at the scene. On the third day of the search, Leonard Lake died in the hospital of cyanide poisoning and Charles Ng was still on the run. Nobody knew anywhere. Like, where was he? They dug up more plastic drums, found bank cards, checkbooks, personal items, IDs, social security cards. No traces of the two kids were found. Remember, because Lonnie Bond Jr., Sean Dubs, they they were killed here, but they couldn't find their bones. They couldn't find their remnants. They found a liver that looked to be about uh, belonging to someone who's three or seven years old. Which is older than those two kids, so that and kind that's of not o- identified. Yeah, that kind of opens the question of yeah. did more kids die here that we don't know about. Yeah, they found another video that included a snippet of two bodies in sleeping bags in wheelbarrows, the same wheelbarrows that they found near the bunker. They find the body of Lonnie Bond, the husband. He had plastic tied around his head, handcuffs on his wrist, a ball gag made out of leather thong and a rubber ball jammed into his mouth, and he had been shot in the head. They find a Scott Stapley's body, who was found in a sleeping bag, buried fully clothed barefoot, and he had um, plastic trash bags wrapped around his upper torso and a smaller bag around his head. This is what's so sad about this. The killer, whether it was Leonard or Charles, had shot had fired three shots into Scott's mouth. So that means that they had pushed the gun into his mouth while he was alive and it broke his jaw in the process. And when they shot that bullet, that bullet along with fragments of Scott's teeth were forced down his throat and it tore up his vocal cords. I couldn't find like if the autopsy said that death was instantaneous, but I really hope that it was. So in total, they found five different bodies And about 45 pounds of bone fragments, and they were linked to 25 different people. So like the most confirmed is at least 12, but 25 different people in terms of, oh, well, we have this person's social security. Well, we have this person's list. So the hunt for Charles got intense. I mean, the FBI is looking for him. Everyone's like, this guy is dangerous. He's got connections in Canada. He had a sister living in Canada at the time. He has connections in, you know, the United States, Hong Kong. He's a fugitive. He's on the run. And the thing that would bring Charles down was a tin of salmon. So he actually made it to Canada under a fake name where his sister was currently living and starts kind of staying with her. So he goes to a grocery store and he steals some salmon and two liters of Pepsi and starts walking around stuffing more canned soup into his pocket sugar other foods slip them into his backpack and he walks out of there without paying now two of the security guards they saw this so they follow him and they say hey, hey hey you're under arrest we gotta look inside your bag and as they're looking he's like okay okay let me get you my id you can arrest me right so he grabs into his bag and instead of taking out his id he pulls out a gun So these two, I mean, security guards, they just tackle him. They're like, this is life or death. He's going to kill us. So they tackle him. The gun fires two times. The first time, it doesn't hit anyone. The second time, the bullet hits one of the guard's fingers. And he said it was so painful. I mean, he had Charles down in like a chokehold, but he felt like something was hammering into his hand. So Charles was arrested in Canada for attempted murder, robbery, and possession of a firearm. So once he gets arrested, I mean, the United States is like, oh, we want that guy. OK, thank you very much. And he puts he finds out that Leonard Lake is dead. And of course, Charles puts all of the la- blame on Leonard. He says, oh, well, I, yeah, I might have been in those videos. But Leonard Lake, he's the one that killed them. I didn't know they were dead. He said that he was just going on walks with these tortured victims. That's it. I don't know. What do you mean? They're like, well, what about Lonnie Jr., the baby? Yeah, I saw Leonard kill him. And when they asked him. How was this two-year-old killed? Charles said that Leonard put this two-year-old's head between his thighs and just started twisting the upper body, like holding the head down. So in Canada, Charles went on trial for attempted murder, and he was found not guilty of attempted murder. But he was found guilty of assault and robbery. I mean, I guess legally it makes sense because technically the, the gun discharged. It's not like he tried to kill them actively. It's just a little weird. So he was sentenced to four and a half years behind bars. But the United States was like, we got to extradite the shit out of him because we're trying to charge him for 12 different murders. And he wanted to avoid this at all costs. And during this process, he started getting too close to a cellmate. He even drew pictures for this cellmate. So one of these pictures was Leonard holding a whip in one hand, whipping Kathy and masturbating on the other hand, and there was a little caption bubble of Leonard saying, I love you, Kathy, I really do. There was a camera set up on a tripod, and behind it, Charles was eating a bowl of rice saying, Rice, dinner time. That doesn't really sit right with me. There were more drawings of bestiality. They did own a German Shepherd, so who's to say if these happened or didn't? It's all up in the air, etc. But the cellmate kept all of these and turned this in to his lawyer to try to see if he could get less time for being like like a jailhouse source. Now, to be fair, he was in jail for sexually assaulting a young boy. So I don't really feel like, oh, wow, he's a hero. But just keep it in mind. He also told the cellmate that they raped Deborah after stealing her husband's video equipment. And she was, and I quote, good to my D. Also stated that it was easy to kill holes. That's what he referred to women. Holes. But it was hard to kill children. And he said that Leonard, you know, tried to convince him. It's like when Nazis were given puppies to kill as training practice. This is that. Killing killing kids is good practice for the future. Charles, of course, would later claim that all of these are lies from the cellmate who just wanted to get out of prison. And all of those drawings, that's just satire. You guys don't have a sense of humor anymore. That's what he claimed. So Charles gets extradited to the United States and he played the justice system like a... Oh my gosh, like any other, he would stall his he would stall his case for close to a decade, over a decade actually. I mean, he did this by constantly firing his legal defense that was assigned to him. The whole thing would cost taxpayers 20 million dollars. This is one of the most expensive California criminal court cases, and it would take place in Orange County. Even though most of the crimes took place in northern California at the time, Orange County had a good amount of Asians. So they felt like we can't get this wrong. We got to put him in a place where they've seen asians before
1: is that really why yeah
0: because they're like if we do it in, well sometimes the relocation had to do with the fact that um the the case was too well known they couldn't find any impartial Mm -hmm. jurors in northern california so if they were going to move it to southern california might as well pick a place where there's a little bit more asians Hmm. because they just didn't want to screw it up because that would cause a lot of tension i'm sure between different governmental entities so multiple things pissed off the public why was he allowed into the Marines? How did he not get deported after being caught with those firearms, you know, and spending time in prison? Why did the prosecutors give Cricket full immunity for her cooperation? She was never arrested. She was given full immunity and her cooperation did not do that much. Really wasn't like star witness. Especially because in another videotape, Cricket was pretending to be Cheryl, one of the dead women buried on the property. She was role playing as one of the victims.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like she's full on into this, right? Yeah. She was part of this whole thing.
0: Yeah, and it was her parents' property that this was all happening on. The trial was a show. Charles had to wear a shock belt because he was out of control. I didn't know those things, like really. Shock belt. Yeah. Under his uh, like his outfit and they could just control it and shock him, like electrocute <laughs> him, really.
1: What? Yeah, like
0: he was that out of control. The witness in Canada was supposed to testify in the United States, his cellmate, right? The one that got all the pictures and stuff. But he got into a really suspicious car accident right before the trial and died and most of the trial was about Leonard Lake so the jury was getting frustrated like we get it Leonard was disgusting but he's dead you know like what does that have to do with charles they would bring in like all of Leonard's ex-girlfriends that have never even met charles and so the jury was getting frustrated with this charles somehow got access to a cell phone and got one of the jurors numbers her phone number I mean, this is crazy because the jurors were so severely protected from the media that their names were never released. None of this. They were known as like juror number one. And it was I know a lot of cases are like that, but this one was hardcore. They were like privacy over everything. But he found out her name and her number and kept calling her.
1: How is he so powerful?
0: Like for what? So finally, he was found guilty of 11 of the 12 murders and sentenced to death. California has not had any executions since like 2006. So as of now, he remains alive and on death row. Oh, is he? Yeah. Alive and on death row. Mm -hmm. Wow. This whole thing is...
1: This guy's scary. This, This guy scares me. I think it's the fact that he's so nonchalant about it.
0: So nonchalant. And I think what's interesting is I do know that a lot of serial killers, you know, and a lot of rapists, it's like a power thing. They have a hatred against women. But this is so bizarre. They maintain some relationships. I mean, it's just very much very incel culture. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a psychopath wants to kill every woman that he sees. I don't know how to explain it. This just makes me so terrified. I I don't know what's more terrifying, this crime. Yeah, I mean this crime. But also, if you go down the incel rabbit hole, if you go on these forums, it is so scary to see how many people genuinely think this way. And that yeah. is why it's so scary these days.
1: Exactly. Like,
0: you never know. You might bump into one at Trader Joe's and you are like, oops, sorry. And they're like, going home, writing these blog posts about how this femoid in yoga pants deserves to die you're like geez, louise (laughs) i'm scared so i mean i hope you guys enjoyed this definitely not a minisode i gotta stop doing that (laughs) and i will see you guys on wednesday bye